did the SpaceX launch make anybody else cry besides me? Okay, there were a couple others that did. I couldn't help it. As soon as that thing took, teared off, I mean, I, I'm old enough that I remember when I was little all of the, the Apollo missions and what a big deal that was and all of the, 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 the space shuttle missions and, of course, the Challenger mission. But when we saw that thing, I, I mean, I had goosebumps and then I had tears and, and I was just so excited to see us launch the rocket into space again. That was just a big moment. So I was pretty, pretty fired up about that. But I want to tell you, though, that I, I am so proud of our church right now. I mean, I always am. But during this time, you know, and, and even in the middle of this pandemic stuff, there are so many opportunities and things that the Lord is teaching us. And I have seen our people care for one another. By the way, I got a, a note from Visto this week saying that the money that we gave to Visto supplied 3,000 meals for people. That's pretty cool. But I love how we're caring for one another. The stories of people sharing, calling people and sending emails and letters. And I can tell you, I've gotten personally so many cards and letters from people that I appreciate so much people taking the time just to be an encouragement, you know, and, and just letting us know how much they appreciate all the effort that the staff is going into to make sure that everyone gets to see things on TV. And, and, and just a real quick note, if you're with us for the first time today, and part of the time you see me and it appears that I'm not looking at anybody, it's because I'm looking at the camera in the back. Because remember that we have a large percentage of our church that is not here yet. And so uh, I, I want to make sure that we get to talk to everybody. And so, and that's hence also the reason that we're sitting down. Plus, I'm going to have a little bit of a personal conversation with you this morning. And so, uh, at any rate. Something I want to tell you, though, is, is that it may come as a surprise to some people, but I like all kinds of music. I listen to everything from Christian music to, to music from the 60s and the 70s and the 80s and, and you know, later and whatever. I, I, I just enjoy music. I listen to classical. I listen to stuff that's got heavier guitars. I listen to acoustic things. It doesn't matter. I enjoy music. What I care about is what the words say. And, and I was listening to Sirius XM in the car this week, and there was a song came on, and, and uh, I know there's at least one other person in the room that, that really likes this band, and I won't call him out, but he knows who he is. And, uh, but there was a, there's a band that was, that's called the Foo Fighters, and, I, and you go, Foo Fighters, I don't know. But if you've heard of them, you know who I'm talking about. And, but they're, uh, they have this song that's called Times Like These. And the chorus of the song really struck me this week. And again, it's a secular song. I realize that. But I want to share with you what the chorus says. It says, it's times like these you learn to live again. It's times like these we give and give again. It's times like these you learn to love again. It's times like these time and time again. In other words, they keep happening over and over. But every time you have the opportunity, you learn something new. And I have seen so many people that have rediscovered what it meant to be in community. That even during the time when we're not all together, that people have remembered how much it means to them to be together. That we have remembered that it is a privilege to be together. That there are places in the world that never get to meet like we meet. And yet there are Christians who are meeting underground and in homes and under threat all the time. And so the fact that we can gather is a privilege. Our country 
And by the way, you're probably looking at me going, what's going on? I usually preach out of my Bible, as you know. But I, wanted, I really have been thinking a lot about what I wanted to say to you this morning. And so I wrote down some extra notes. And so just bear with me if it appears that I'm looking at my notes more than normal. Uh, I, I've just really been in prayer and thinking about what I wanted to tell you guys today. But as we look at our country beginning to reopen, and it's not all clear yet. I just saw on the news this morning that there were 200 cases in Sherman over at the Tyson plant out of like a 1,000 workers or something. 20% of the workforce that just got announced this morning, as far as I know, that have been tested positive for coronavirus. But even during this time that we're starting to reopen, we have this amazing opportunity in front of us, as we have throughout the whole this whole last two and a half, three month period. We have the opportunity to show the unity and love that only God's church can provide. My purpose here today is not to debate the merits or follies of closing the country. What we did, what the country did, was based on information that they had at the time and were constantly learning and figuring out how to deal with this stuff. And and now they're shifting course. And honestly, they may shift again before it's all over. But in all situations, our leaders use the information they have available to try to make a good decision. And of course, there's layers upon layers upon layers of all those decisions, and I understand all that. I mean, I grew up in the Fox Mulder X-Files era of trust no one, okay? So believe me, I understand that. Time will tell what was right, though. Ten years down the road, we'll know. But right now, I also know that there are many people in our church who have been affected by COVID-19. They have relatives. They have friends who've, who've either been sick or died. I personally know people as well. Maybe some of you don't know anybody who's been affected by COVID-19, but many do. Next Sunday, I really want to encourage you to be here because we have a very special guest next week. That's I'm going to interview her for most of the service. Well, we're going to sing and all, but then most of the sermon time. Her name is Courtney Waddle, and she is the daughter of Pam and Charlie Henderson. And Courtney spent a month volunteering in New York and served in a, in, a, in a hospital in Brooklyn. And she has gotten back and has been through her 14-day quarantine. And she's been tested negative twice. She's fine. She never had corona, but she's, she's fine. And she is going to be here to give us her take on what it was like to see it up close firsthand for a month. And so I hope you'll be here to listen to what she has to say. And, uh, and, and I can tell you, she's not an alarmist in any means. She describes herself as very middle of the road. And, uh, and, but I think it'll be really interesting for us to hear. Because we have been so blessed that largely we've been spared here so far. Hope it stays that way and we pray that it stays that way. As I told you though, we're going to take a short break from First Peter, which I've been doing here for the last few weeks. Uh, for this week and next week, and then we'll jump back in. Because again, I want to talk to you about something that's weighing on my heart. We are not a business for profit. We are not a group that has a board of directors that is weighing our stock options and trying to decide if we're doing the right thing or the wrong thing. We are a group of Christians, a group of followers of Jesus Christ that are a family 
and will be a family along with all of the other Christians in the world will be a family for all eternity. And the way that we love one another speaks volumes to the world about the one that we say we love. 2 Corinthians 10.3 says this, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but they have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. But listen to this last part, and take every thought captive to obey Christ. You know what that implies? That implies that what Jesus tells us to do is what we hold as highest paramount importance. And so I tell you this morning that even as we begin to resume some sense of normalcy in our country and we pray that it continues to go that direction, our battle is just beginning. Our bigger battle is not against COVID-19 even at this moment. I sum it up as I look around with one symbol, this. Battle lines are being drawn over this. I was in a Zoom meeting this week with a group of pastors that I've been doing almost every week since all this has been going on, a group of Southern Baptist pastors across North Texas. And the host of the meeting said, I bet you I can guess what the biggest thing that you're thinking about in your staff this week is. And he pulled out a mask and he put it on. And every single pastor that was on the Zoom started nodding their head. That is the biggest thing we are thinking about right now. The thing about this is, is there's a lot of different viewpoints on this. And it's a symbol of our larger viewpoint on how we view not only this pandemic, but our response to the pandemic. The conspiracies that may be behind it or not behind it. And there are very, very diverse points of view, as we all know. I don't think I need to tell anyone here because they've heard them. Maybe even in your own house. I've talked to so many husbands and wives where the wife sees it one way and the husband sees it another. But on the extreme ends of these views, and again, I'm generalizing a little bit, I see two things. One that says, if you wear a mask, you're led by fear. And the other side that says, if you don't wear a mask, you don't care about anybody but yourself. Shaking hands is becoming a test of manhood. I have seen it several times where somebody comes up and gives me some variation of, yeah, 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 the Rona, I'm not scared, and holds their hand out. As if I don't shake their hand, then I'm scared and I'm not a man like they are. No matter whether you wear a mask or whether you don't, somebody thinks you're doing the wrong thing. Some choose to wear one because they want to protect others in case they become sick unknowingly. Others do not see a threat and they think the mask is overkill. The problem is that we cannot see with hindsight who is exactly right. Because the truth is, we're still figuring it out. Some will say, if you're scared, just stay home. Some will say, if you don't help protect me or help me protect Help, help me protect you from one another, from ourselves. I can't be around you. Some will say, nobody's going to tell me what to do. Others will say, I don't know what to do because of all the conflicting information that I'm getting. 
But I know this. We are the church. And we have to put one another ahead of ourselves. We have to find a course of action that considers everyone's point of view and at the same time protects those that are most at risk so they can have confidence to venture out. We have more here this Sunday than we have. And our first service was still running about 25% of normal. And here we're running probably, what, 50% maybe this morning? 40%? Maybe? That means there's somewhere between 25 and 40 and 60%, I'm sorry, 75 and 60% of our people who have a level of concern that prevents them from being in this room yet. Some of you are here with concerns, but choosing to override those concerns because you want to be at church. The point is, though, is we are tasked with being loving toward one another, regardless of our viewpoint in all of this. What I cannot accept is that if people in our church, and let me just say equally important, people in our community see not only our church, but churches in general as being people or places that don't care about them. There are people out there right now that are scared. People that look at us, and let me give you an example. I I was in Bucky's this week, and Shelly and I had gone down on Memorial Day and decided to go to Trader Joe's down in Plano to get some things. And so we stopped in at Bucky's to get gas. And while we were getting gas, I went inside the Bucky's. About half the people had a mask on. And I didn't. Because I just, like, on the spur of the moment, ran in. I wasn't really planning on going in. And I just zipped in to grab a soda. And as I'm coming back to pay, there was a guy who was older than me, but I won't say what age I thought he was. But he had a mask on. And he was talking to somebody that was behind the counter that was wearing a mask because they were working there. And he was irate. And the exact things that he... And again, I walked up behind him and he didn't see me. I don't think he ever did see me. But he was talking to the guy in front of him. And he said, I cannot believe all of these idiots that are in here without a mask on. They don't care about anybody but themselves. And then he turned and stormed out the door. That's the type of emotion that we're dealing with. And I've heard it so many different times said in so many different ways. Whether it's I'm afraid or I'm not afraid or I'm worried or I'm not worried. The emotion is intense. But I know this. The enemy wants to use everything available to him to drive wedges between people. As the country begins to reopen, he'll shift tactics. As the company begins to reopen, he will take this and say, this is a reason you should be mad, whether you wear it or whether you don't. His goal, of course, is to break our unity. His goal is to help us to be discouraged instead of encouraged. But whether we're in the room right now or whether we're at home watching online, the enemy cannot be allowed to mess with our love for one another. But the choice is ours. Galatians 5.20. It's the fruits of the flesh. And I want to zero in on five of them for a moment. Strife, fits of anger, rivalries, dissension, and divisions. Satan wants to use these weapons against us. Anything he can use to drive a wedge in between you or me or anybody else, he wants to use. 
And he will use how you care for one another against you if he can. Whether COVID is a threat or not isn't really the point to my conversation. The real threat is if we cannot find a road that we can travel together. How we think about one another matters. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God and Christ forgave you. You see, we're all negotiating, navigating uncharted waters, aren't we? Every day is an uncharted new place that we're traveling. New information pours in constantly. New things for us to digest. New things for us to decipher through. New things for us to filter and try to figure out as we discern what to do next. Some of you have been in my office. I have a map on my wall. It's of the British Virgin Islands. And my family uh, used to go down there quite a bit when I was younger. And, and my dad's dream always was to sail. And we'd go down there sailing. And I have this map that my sister bought me for my birthday many years ago. And, it, and it's of the British Virgin Islands and the, and the Virgin Islands. And, and it's a depth map. And everywhere you look on it, there are little numbers all under the water that tell you the exact depth. Because they've measured it. And they know exactly how deep it is everywhere. So that when you sail into a, into a cove or into an inlet or whatever, you know exactly how deep the water is. The problem is with this situation is we don't know how deep the water is. But I know this. We have to be kind to one another. That is not a negotiable thing. That is what it means to be obedient to Christ. He tells us in Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another. When somebody does something we don't understand or even agree with, the second part of that verse is that we forgive one another. Just as Christ in, or, or just that God in Christ forgave each of us. You know, I was thinking this week, I was thinking back in the Old Testament because I'm, you know, teaching through 2 Kings on Wednesday nights. And as I think about the nation of Israel and all of the things that happened to them through the Old Testament, do you know when the times they were the most at danger? It wasn't during times of war. When they had times of war, the Lord would say, you're going to have victory, and they would go in there and just crush them. Or there were times where the Lord said, you better not, and they did anyway, and then they got in trouble. But you know when it was the most dangerous time for the country? was when they didn't listen to God's commands. I want to share with you one verse that for me is a a great summary of of kind of the whole Old Testament up to the exile. It's at the end of the book of Judges. And it's a story, it ends up with the people of the tribe of Benjamin and they have an issue they have to deal with and I'm not going to get into all that today. But the last two verses of the book of Judges says this. And the people of Israel departed from there at that time, every man to his tribe and his family, and they went out from there, every man to his inheritance. In those days, there was no king in Israel, and then here's for my purposes what it was. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. When people started listening to their own opinions rather than listening to what God told them to do, that's when they got into trouble. Pride, in my own opinion, is a dangerous thing. Having an opinion is not dangerous. But saying that my opinion is paramount over everyone else at all costs and at all times, that's a dangerous thing for me. See, pride is what separates us 
from God. The sin that pride caused in the beginning is behind so much anguish and pain and struggle and separation. We can't allow that to happen. I love how Micah 6.8 puts it. It says, He has told you, man, O oh man, what is good? And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? Of course, justice is doing what God says is right. And God is always interested in people being treated right and treated fairly and treated accurately with, what, with things that are in line with the way God views what is right and what is wrong. The second part, love kindness. Not just be kind, love kindness. And then the third thing, to walk humbly with your God which means we seek after his character and his presence above all else. 1 John 4, 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. Our mandate from God is to hold the love we have for him and for each other above all else. He doesn't separate it. When he says love God and love one another, he doesn't say love God and mm, love one another. Love one another and mm, God. He says hold those two things in tandem, side by side, and love me and love one another. We cannot walk humbly with God unless we also walk humbly with one another. I don't have all the answers to this pandemic, I have opinions. I'm learning all the time, just like you are. The truth is, is none of us have all the answers. If we did, we'd be holding the vaccine, right? But I do know this. I cannot make anyone do anything. I have said from the beginning, from the first week that we were here, I have said, we suggest you wear a mask, but it's up to you. I've suggested that you social distance, but I can't make you not shake hands with people in the parking lot. The only thing I can ask as your pastor is that we think of others more than we think of ourselves. Galatians 5.22 says, The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. But look what it says in the next verse. Let us not become conceited, prideful, provoking one another and envying one another. This is a provoker. Whether you wear it or you don't, it's a provoker of somebody. If you wear it, you're not a man, guys. If you don't wear it, you're not being very smart. It is so easy to provoke people with that. But friends, I said it Wednesday night to my Bible study and I will say it again here. This is not a hill to die on. This is not a symbol of our freedom. Our freedom is in Christ. This 
is a symbol of something that's going on right now. I mean, hey, in 1918, when they wore these things, they wore them for a while during the Spanish flu, and then they didn't. And there'll come a day where we don't need these again. We may not need them now, but some people think we do. I can't force anybody to do anything. That's not my role. But I can tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to continue to social distance because it makes many of my brothers and sisters in Christ feel better to be around me. I'm going to, when I'm with somebody who feels that wearing a mask is important, I'm going to put the mask on and sit there and talk to them because I want to give them a level of comfort that I care about them. When I'm with a brother or sister who does not want to wear a mask, I will try to wear or I will try to distance from them, but I will probably not wear a mask with them. Because again, I want to care about everyone. From now on, well, not for now on. For now, I should say. For now, on Sundays, I will have a mask on when I'm not on the stage. During the week in my office, if you come by and see me, chances are I won't have one on. Unless you want me to put one on to be close and talk to you. I will put one on. But can I tell you the truth? My feelings on masks don't really matter. They don't really matter to me at all. What matters to me is that others feel safe to be around me. I ask you to consider how you treat one another. Always have other people's thoughts at the core because that is actually what Jesus commands us to do. To think of others more than we think of ourselves. Or it depends on your translations. To think higher of, of, your, of others than you think of yourself. Not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to quote another one. You see, times like these, as the song says, they're opportunities. They're opportunities to show love. They're opportunities to show care. But we have to take those opportunities and run with them. We can choose not to. And whether wearing a mask is right or wrong, not my point. But we don't have the option to show love to people who are afraid and scared right now. We don't have the option to not show love to people who have legitimate risk factors. You're going to hear from Courtney next week, and one of the things that she will tell you is that it doesn't matter whether you're 23 or 83. If it strikes you the right way, it strikes you. She's going to tell you stories about people of all age groups. I saw an interview she did this week that said Hollywood shouldn't uh, create sets for horror movies anymore. They should just take a camera to a hospital in New York. You need to hear her story. One other thing she's going to tell you I know is that if it takes a little bit of being careful around here, she will tell you, you don't want it here. And so that's what we all have to decide. How do we respond? And how do we show love? That's what I wanted to tell you this morning. I hope you hear me with the heart with which I'm trying to say this. I'm not trying to convince you to wear a mask or not. I'm trying to convince you to think of others always. Think of others always.
If you're with us this morning, I want you to know, if you're watching online, we love you and we care about your feelings. We care about you. And so if you need to watch and continue online for a long time, that's okay. But we miss you and we love you. And whenever you are ready, we want to tell you that we want to be good neighbors. And we look forward to seeing you again soon, I hope. I want to pray for us, and then I'm going to turn it back over to Shane to close. So if you'll bow your heads with me. Father, we love you so much. We pray that during this time of unrest in our country, that a quick solution will be found, that things will get back. It's amazing how fast we forgot about coronavirus for a day because we were looking at other unrest. But Father, there's a lot of all kinds of unrest right now. Uncertainty, fear. But Father, we also know that you can bring us through this and that you will. And so we thank you for that, that you have provided us the way that no matter what we face in this world, that we do not have to ultimately be afraid because we know that our future is secure in Christ Jesus. And so I pray for anyone who's watching this morning that doesn't know you yet, whether they're in the room or online or on TV, that they would make the decision to come follow you. Because there is nothing more important, no one greater, no one better. And I pray that everyone who hears my voice will choose to have a relationship with you and have an eternity with us as a family. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.